Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Buckeye Dad Success. I'm Josh, and I have returning to the show, April. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, you know, uh, I just got Moderna number two yesterday, and somehow I escaped all side effects, which is pretty nice. It's kind of like my magical ability to not get hungover after a heavy night of drinking, so I'm feeling pretty good. Can we find that magic ability when you have a regular cold? <laughs> Probably not, no. <laughs> um, the man sickness definitely puts me down, but uh, yeah, I'm in a good good mood. Had a relaxing Saturday. I'm all vaccinated now. Feeling pretty relieved about that, so uh, we're in the middle of a crazy week and a crazy month. The roof is getting replaced tomorrow, so we'll... Have fun managing nap time tomorrow around that. It should be fun with three kids in the house. All kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, our youngest kid is allergic to the dog, and we've got doctor's fun appointments and, and school meetings this week, and we're, we're both behind in work, and, you know, just craziness that defines our life, right? Back into it all, full swing. Yep. So, uh, we are... You know, it is the end of April. Uh, we are gearing up for movie return season, and we're going to finally be, we're going to be discussing that a little bit later in the show. Uh, but last time uh, a Marvel TV show happened, we discussed it. First uh, run of that was WandaVision, and we've just finished up uh, six episodes of uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and we're going to discuss it. Uh, so, just first, uh, general impressions real quick before we dive deep. And, and we're going to change it up a little bit this time. Instead of going through episode by episode and talking plot, we're gonna, just going to assume that you guys, if you're listening to this, you watch the show. Uh, and we're going to be more character driven. But overall, what do you think of the show as a whole? I was greatly impressed, I think, with this show. I think we all didn't really know what to expect since WandaVision was its own kind of thing and wasn't really a full-blown like full blown Marvel project, I would say. Definitely had its own vibe. And for only six episodes, I think they knocked it out of the park with this. I was very impressed with the through lines that continued to go through it. There were surprises here and there, and I think they did a really good job. I would agree with that. I found myself anticipating this more than WandaVision though now that we're done stepping back I think they're a little bit closer in my estimation we'll kind of break it down uh, a little bit later uh, but I Marvel again just makes magic and prints money like it's their job uh, these are two characters that I would say were even more minor than uh, Vision and the Scarlet Witch. Pretty as minor as you can get in like major movies, I would say. Uh, you know, Sam uh, Falcon is basically just a sidekick at this point in the movies. You know, he gets a decent amount of run in the Captain America movies. Uh, and Bucky, you know, stars as the villain in Winter Soldier. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, does show up again in Civil War and whatnot. But again, these are not characters that were central to the movie uh, universe. Yeah, these were never characters I would have figured we would have saw like a major picture, uh, motion picture for them, or really have their own TV show before we knew that was even going to be a thing. So, 
Um, I think they, you know, plucked them out and they work well together and it really flowed pretty well with them together. Yeah, and I think the magic of these shows is you could take minor characters who we haven't had a lot of, you know, screen time with in the movies and you could make us really be invested in them and care about them by the time, you know, your six or eight or nine episodes are done. Uh, and, and that happened again with this show. Uh, all right, so the premise of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, just the one sentence summary, six months after being handed the mantle of Captain America at the end of Avengers Endgame, Sam Wilson teams up with Bucky Barnes in a worldwide adventure that tests their abilities and their patience. So like I said, instead of going through episode by episode and discussing plot, we're going to focus really on the major characters of this show. And the gimmick that we're going to use is uh, we're going to frame all of these characters through what did you think of them before the show started? Uh, what did you think about their arcs in the show? And then what are you looking forward to them or not going forward in future Marvel properties? That sound good? Yep. All right. I think you can't start anywhere else except with Anthony Mackie as Sam Wilson, Falcon, mm-hmm. and by the end of the show, Captain America. Right. Go ahead, start us off. What did you think of this character before the show started, and then how did it progress through the six episodes? Um, I would say before the show started, I really considered Falcon just, you know, Cap, as in Steve Rogers, Cap's sidekick. I mean, that's all he was ever really to us, Agreed. you know, in the movies. Um, had, you know, funny little lines, you know, the major line in Endgame being on your left when he shows back up, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, he had pretty... Um, how do I put this? Not very exciting fight scenes in other movies. Like, didn't really show that he had a very good abilities to uh, fight and help Cap out. So, and just, just as a person standing next to all of these enhanced people and he's not enhanced, he just kind of got left by the wayside, I think, a little bit. So I didn't really think too much of him before we went into this. And as the uh, show started, I think getting a little bit of his backstory with his sister and family and you know, his parents' business that wasn't doing well. And then, you know, we see that he has, like, made a friend, Torres, in the show, you know, that he works with for the government. And um, just getting a little bit better, like, wide picture of who Sam is, I think was helpful to, like, actually fall in love with him and like him as a character and all of that. So, you know, it, it grew as the show went on and on. And I think... Sam's superpower becomes his ability to talk to people and listen to people and really understand um, where they are coming from, whether you agree with them or not. And, you know, that's a very powerful superpower all on its own. So I think that really, um, really allowed me to be able to see him becoming Captain America, which he does at the end of this. And I think it was rightly earned. And the suit is dope, so. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that was a lot there. Uh, I agree with uh, pretty much all of it. I think, you know, before this series starts, I mean, you get him as the sidekick. You get the comedy bits. You know, you get Ant-Man kicking his butt in, uh, was that the was Infinity that the first? Infinity War, I think. Is that what it is? Was it Infinity War? I can't remember. No, I thought it was the first Ant-Man or whatever. We had to go steal the suit. Oh, my, it is an Ant-Man movie. You're correct. Uh, yes. Yes. And, uh, or Ant-Man 2. One of the two. Anyways. Um, 
you know, he's there for comedy. He's there. He's a very good uh, best friend, you know, support mm-hmm. guy, wingman, as it were. Um, but again, I don't know how you felt, but when we watched the end of Avengers Endgame, you know, I was kind of thinking that Bucky was going to get the shield and that the fact that Steve... Oh, really? Oh, yeah. And, uh, and, and the fact that Steve gave it to Sam... You know, I was really kind of like, you know, yeah, Sam's a, a good guy uh, and embodies those values and virtues that you think of for Captain America. But yeah, he's just the guy. He's not a super soldier. Right. He doesn't have a serum. He doesn't have a vibranium arm. Uh, you know, he doesn't have superpowers. Yeah, I mean, but I, I, we'll get to Bucky, but I think Bucky comes with a lot of baggage to make him Captain True. America. True, true. Um, but I was like, okay, like, I'm not really necessarily super buying this yet. And then by the end of the show, you're just like, okay, like, it's completely, yeah. you know, it's completely earned. It feels much more legitimate. Um, and I think that's really the masterpiece of the, of the show. Um, yeah, but I think um, the other really big through line for his character especially was just, you know, being a black man in America and all that comes with that. And as two white people sitting here, I think it's, you know, hypocritical for us to try to understand that really. But um, I think they did a really good job showing that to people and explaining how he could have felt and didn't feel like he could be Captain America when, you know, Cap actually handed him the shield and didn't think know if he wanted to represent the America that we all live in right now as Captain America. And, you know, meaning... Isaiah and all of these people that I think, you know, showed him what really went on and, you know, him really feeling out his feelings for it and who he wanted to be. And, you know, I think the show had a completely black writer's room, which I think really shows throughout this show. Mm-hmm. And I think they did a hell of a job. Um, it means a lot for a Marvel product to really throw that in your face and do it well. And, you know, show people, like, yeah, we're these cool superheroes, but there's just really important stuff going on in America right now, and we want to talk to you about that, too. Yeah, for, absolutely. Um, so, and I think that's something that the TV shows are really going to tackle, it seems like. We have, we're now two for two. In WandaVision, you really have a look at, like, grief and what somebody goes through yeah. after the loss of a loved one, uh, you know, with what Wanda's going through. After the loss of Vision uh, in Infinity War uh, and, and Endgame, uh, and then, the, then in this show, I mean, you really just get like a look at every uh, all of America's history. You know, the good and the bad, the racism uh, and the idealism of what our country can be, and that's you, you get multiple different ways of looking at it. You get Bucky saying. You know, I apologize because Steve and I didn't really consider what it would be to give the shield to uh, an African-American. And then you have Isaiah Bradley, who we'll spend some more time on later, as a a super soldier uh, who, you know, was in the military and was in the Korean War and ends up getting his legacy erased and put in jail. Kind of highlighting all of the things that. Uh, you know, America has done wrong to black people. You get even the, the you know, uh, Sam and Bucky arguing in the street and then the police officer, you know, kind of going after Sam pretty hard as a black man before realizing that he's actually Falcon and then treating him completely different. Uh, so uh, the issue of race and, and systemic inequality in this country 
is not something you would typically uh, think that a Marvel show is going to tackle, but it was front and center in this. Yeah. Uh, and it was a really interesting adult look at, at that. Yes, it was very impressive. Um, so the, the moral, I think, of, of the story for Sam is there was that critical question. Sam has been dubbed the new Captain America by Steve Rogers. Mm-hmm. Can he actually pull it off? Can we believe it? And, and does by, he want to be? And does he want to be? And by the end of the show, we have an answer to that question. Yes, you know, Sam is somebody who is in our military um, already. He values service. Uh, he's already put a lot on the line for our country. Uh, he decides that even though we've had all this injustice, that this is a mantle that he should take up. Pulls it off. Has a dope-looking costume. Uh, courtesy of Wakanda. Uh, and now this is something that I think going forward for future properties, you know, if I see him as Captain America in a movie mm-hmm. with all of these other characters, I'd be like, okay, like, I can buy this. This is legit. Yeah, I think you had to have a step in between that. Like, you know, Cap handing him the shield and, in Endgame and then him just having his own Captain America movie, I think would have been hard to kind of buy. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know, obviously, maybe, you know, master of all, Kevin Feige totally knew these TV shows were coming and had it all planned out so far in advance, but, you know, us Minions didn't have any idea all these TV shows were coming quite a while ago, so, I mean, it's impressive to for him to have it, you know, you get to see this all stretched out and how he got to where he is and he's comfortable being Captain America, and I think it's impressive and I, I'm excited to see what he can bring to the character. And to be fair, right, like, we only, uh, as of the past couple of days, has it really come out that, you know, there is a Captain America 4 in the works, uh, presumably with Anthony Mackie, with the same show writer as, as this current show. Um, so we have lots of Marvel movies in the queue. Mm-hmm. We didn't have one with Captain America, one of the most essential Avengers. Yeah, but that could have been, and everything's movies. just been pushed so far right. that you know they haven't had time to announce anything new because nothing old come out. So right, so the uncertainty might have been real. It might have just been the construction of the pandemic and the delays. Uh, but my guess is again that this show is going to be wildly successful. And I would imagine. And again, you already have it as a movie canon that Sam is going is the new Captain America, and now a whole large percentage of the audience is going to feel much more vindicated that he is in fact going to be in a, a good Captain America moving forward. Agreed. All right, I think that's a pretty good summary of Falcon, and I do love the just the really small touch at the end of the show where they change the the verbiage of the show. From Falcon to Captain America in the Winter Soldier. I just think that was... That's pretty cool. Brilliant, as, mm-hmm. as pretty much all Marvel things are. <laughs> so, Okay, the, the counterpart uh, to Sam in this show. Uh, Sebastian Stan playing James Bucky Barnes, a.k.a. the Winter Soldier, a.k.a. the White Wolf. <laughs> so many names. What did you think of his character? I mean, I think before this, you know, we get the um, Winter Soldier character and him as the Winter Soldier, and he's just ruthless, And um, but you also see him as he's Cap's friend, and Cap believes in him, and he makes that turn, you know, once Wakanda wipes everything out of him, but we never really see that, and we get to see that in the show, which I think is a big uh, asset to, like, the background as his character, and seeing him grow through that and be on the other side of that, and... Um, I think 
he's just, you know, I think he had a bigger role that I would say Falcon did in a lot of, um, like, the Cap movies and stuff. So I think I was more aware of, like, excited to see him in the show and what was going to happen with him. And is he, like, totally a good guy now? Or is that, you know, bad guy still in there somewhere? And I think that was a main focus point of the show. And I think, you know you know, Zemo popping back up into it and him starting to say the words to him and, you know, it not working. And I think Bucky being as relieved as the rest of us were about that, that, um, you know, I think he's really turned the corner and him just trying to figure out where he fits into this world and what he wants to do with himself and his life and how he deals with the things that he remembers that he did and as the winter soldier. And, um, I think he does a pretty good job in watching him like actually befriend Sam and open himself up to someone and open himself up to his family and that kind of stuff shows that he has come a long way. And by the end of this, I think he's in a really good place. And I don't know if going forward, he'll necessarily be referred to as the winter soldier anymore. No, I don't think so. I think uh, that part of his life seems to be over, um, even though there's, talking in the show about how, you know, the nightmares and how it's always kind of still a little bit present in there. Um, like you said, before the, before this TV show starts, you know, you get a whole movie where his name is in the title. Yep. Uh, he is badass in that movie. Definitely yes. one of the best villains, quote unquote, uh, in the Marvel uh, movies because obviously he becomes not a villain. Um, but again, just programmed assassin killing machine you got the long hair you got the mask covering his face uh and just this you know he's fighting you know no holds barred he's fighting to achieve his goal and if it means killing as many people as necessary uh he does that because he's programmed you have him again in captain america civil war with that iconic captain america and winter soldier versus iron man fight Mm-hmm. And then you don't see a whole lot of him anymore, right? Like, he goes to Wakanda the heel. He's in Infinity War. You don't see him too much in Endgame. He, you know, he gets, uh, he's a victim of the snap. Yeah. Um, but, pretty cool character. We still don't know a ton about him, necessarily. Um, and I think the depiction of him uh, in the show is just great. Uh, love the short hair, Sebastian. Keep so it going. Um, and just the therapy stuff, I think, was really good. Like, really, like, all of his nightmares and the, you know, and him being in contact with some of the of the family members of his victims and, like, what the real trauma was that he went through. Mm-hmm. Uh, the flashback scenes of him being in Wakanda uh, with Io of the Dora Milaje and, you know her saying the words and him finally being free of them and mm-hmm. realizing he's no longer the word soldier is great. Um, I think the most, the most emotional heavy parts of the show was probably still the Sam and Isaiah Bradley yeah. uh, stuff. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, but I would say like runner up is probably the scene where the group therapy, the couples therapy <laughs> scene with Sam and Bucky. Scene. And Bucky says, basically, like, he gets to the point where he actually says something meaningful mm-hmm. and says, if Steve was wrong about you, Sam, then maybe he was wrong about me and how much Bucky still relies on the good opinion of his now deceased friend, Steve Don't Rogers. he's technically deceased. He's gone, in quotations, yes. as they refer to him in the show. Yes, as, as we know from the comics, 
Even if you're dead, dead, you might not actually still be dead. So Right. And I think like that is a big deal to a lot of people. Like a lot of people go through depression and a lot of, for different reasons throughout their life. Mm-hmm. And to really show that um, in WandaVision and then show that again here, right. you know, for a different reason. And yeah, did he do horrible things? He absolutely did. But was he in his right mind when he did them? No, but he still has all those memories and has to deal with that on a daily basis. And then befriending an old man in his, you know, where he lives that is the father of a young man that he ended up killing as a winter soldier is heartbreaking. That whole storyline is heartbreaking Mm -hmm. and, you know, watching him grow and then be able to confront that and admit that he did that and, you know, have to deal with that, but at least get that off his chest and have Cap's little notebook of all the people he wants to make amends to Mm -hmm. and, and realize that he needs to do that for him and not for them. Yeah, I mean, that was some of the other best part of this, right? Like, I really love that the Sam-Bucky thing was a slow burn. It wasn't just mm-hmm. like, you know, instant buddy cop, these guys right. are getting along or whatever. You know, both of them are tied together by Steve Rogers, but they weren't, you know, it wasn't just a, you know, a threesome where they were all kind of on even footing and everybody was all buddy-buddy. Uh, it really takes a while for them to get there, and you have one of those other really touching scenes where, Sam and Bucky are practicing with the shield and trying to get Sam up to par, uh, being Captain America and Sam who, you know, has canonical experience as somebody who counsels, you know, soldiers, um, veterans, uh, you know, getting them through their trauma, you know, tells, uh, Bucky that, Oh, Hey, like you've been doing this to try to make yourself feel better. How about you try doing some of these acts of service to help other people feel mm-hmm. better and that, will bring you solace and healing uh, if you just change up your approach or whatnot. So uh, this the show had a lot of, like, really, like, deep things to say. Some of them were heavy-handed. Like, there wasn't always a ton of nuance in how they said them. Uh, particularly, kind of, I, I feel like the series finale where Sam's monologue about the refugees kind of goes on maybe another, like, minute or two too long. Yeah. Maybe. It's really, like, they're really playing it up. Like, this is my Captain America, yeah, becoming Captain America moment. But, uh, yeah, I really love the, the chemistry between these these two was amazing. Uh, and if you had any doubts that if these two could carry a show, I mean, they definitely did. Yeah, and then the last, um, one of the last shots we get of him is him with Zemo, with him and Zemo is when he hands Zemo over to the Dormelage and you know he has the gun in his hand and clicks the gun at him but there's no bullets in it and he makes that decision to not actually kill Zemo I mean in that moment watching the show I didn't really think he was gonna kill Zemo at any point did you like no I didn't like I, I know that's what they were playing for and like this big dramatic thing of him like the shot's really cool the cinematography is it's really cool of like showing the bullets falling and that kind uh-huh. of stuff but um, I didn't really think that he was going to, and I would have think I would have been more shocked if he actually killed him and it would have been like a plot twist, like, oh shit, maybe Bucky's not right. good to go. Uh-huh. But, um, I don't think that played well for me exactly, but I mean, it's a cool scene to get him to get some closure with Zemo, I think, and, yeah. you know, get him to be able to move on. What do you want to see Bucky Barnes in going forward? Like, do you think he's going to be pretty strictly tied to future Captain America movies? It seems like the show, much more so than WandaVision, could very well have a season two. Like, they could come back to this in a couple years. I think that's what fits him best, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Like, I just don't... 
he's not going to have his own, like, series, like, like multiple movie arc. He's not going to, you know, I don't know that he'd really have his own TV show. So, I mean, I think him fitting him with Sam in first season two or whatever kind of show you make for that mm-hmm. is what works best. Could he pop up here or there in a movie? Probably. Um, yeah. A big fight scene or they call him in for something or whatever. But, right. no, I don't really think I see him really standing up and it's a big person in, like, the movies going forward. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting now that we hear news that they are working on the fourth Captain America movie. Like, what the timing is going to be of that versus what a new TV show would be. Right. I think, obviously, he would be in that. But right. um, anything outside of that. I mean, like, in Phase 4, minus this TV show, is he in any of those movies? I don't think so. No, but I do think that's also partly because Phase 4 seems to be laying the groundwork for a lot of new characters. Right. So I think the older characters that we're getting, you know, extended storylines about or handing over the torch to a different person is more of the like Disney Plus era that's going on right now. Like with this and Loki and well, Loki's to be its own thing, but, and like Hawkeye and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, I think he's just going to kind of be on the down low on the Disney Plus site kind of thing. And we'll have to like wait quite a while to see him. I mean, I think that, Captain America movie is probably slated at the earliest, like 2023, so... Yeah, probably. I mean, even 2024, probably. Yeah, it would definitely be a wait and see for him. Okay, so, moving on to, I think, the character who stole the show uh, unexpectedly. Daniel Bruhl as Helmut Zemo. Baron Zemo. Wow. Wow, what, that was what, great. A, what a revelation. <laughs> I cannot get past the dancing scene. It's the best <laughs> meme I've seen come out of the show. Oh my god. It is fantastic. Goodness. So great. Oh, I never identify with a Marvel villain. <laughs> very it's Zima so good. Oh. And like I think they he is one of the Marvel villains that I think was a win. Yes. So I think bringing him back was not even a question. Like, obviously, go for it. And he's just epic in this show. Like, I loved every time he was on screen. It was just great. Like, he, I mean, I don't think there was, like, any big plot twist we weren't all expecting. We're, like, we expecting him to, like, escape from them? Of course. We're expecting him to... Probably go back to jail. I wasn't 100% expecting that, I don't think. I thought maybe he would, like, sneak away kind Mm -hmm. of thing forever. But I do think he will play a bigger part in other movies going forward. Yeah, so looking back through the the cliff notes of this series, he was only in three of the six episodes. Which is weird to think, because if you asked me, I would definitely say he's in, like, five. I would have said, like, four and a half or five, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Just, like... Again, I thought he was a really great villain, not necessarily because of him, but Captain America Civil War, the fact that the bad guy was really just like the the disunity between Steve Rogers and Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not really having that like the big bad, the Thanos, you know, the person that you normally think of that had to really just be, you know, a difference of opinion that was so rooted in uh, both sides that uh, it caused them to tear each other apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was kind of, you know, the, the face of that. You know, it was his plot. But as far as what he actually does in that movie, it's pretty minimal. And that movie really drives him. You know, he is characterized by his bitterness about what happened to his family. They were just, uh, you know, killed. 
and the destruction of Sokovia in Avengers uh, Ultron, Age of Ultron. Um, and I don't know, like, are you okay with the fact that it seems Marvel's solution to kind of lukewarm characters is just to make them funny? Because I, normally I would say, like, okay, like, not everybody can be a stand-up comic, but it just completely worked for me in, in this show. I think it depends on the actor. Yeah. Like, can you pull off comedy? Like, I think, like, you're hiding Chris Hemsworth and he's really freaking funny. So when you that light bulb goes off, you're like, oh, let's do that. And I think they purposely hire people that, you know, have comedic chops as well. So, um, I mean, obviously I didn't know that he had them from the movie we saw him in previously. Right. So maybe that was a hope and pray kind of thing for when they wrote this show. But I think he did a great job. Um, I thought he was pretty hilarious and it was believable to me. So I don't think he was like obnoxiously funny. Like, I think the things that they made him, like, that were funny, like, the Turkish Delights thing, like, right. like he's not being necessarily funny in that moment. The situation is funny. It's a very dry, sarcastic yeah. type of wit. Right. That I think was just really, you know, really just spoke to me. Um, you know, I think maybe one of the funniest part of the whole series, maybe, was when <laughs> Baron Zemo talks about how, so, again... Cap had that notebook full of things that he was supposed to, you know, experience in the years that he missed. Yeah. And one of the things was Trouble Man by by Marvin Gaye, the, the mm-hmm. album. <laughs> and Baron Zemo just goes on about how it really captures the, the African-American experience and whatever decade it was or whatever. Yeah. And goes on about how good it is. And Sam's just like, he's out of bounds. He shouldn't say that. But he's absolutely right. Like, <laughs> Just uh, uh, And again, it can make sense, right? Like, you know, we see him in Civil War. He's completely consumed uh, with trying to destroy the Avengers. But, you know, he's been in jail for several years at Mm -hmm. this point. You know, he's probably thinks that he's won in large part. He really did break up the Avengers. Yeah, for sure. Um, And so, you know, not to say that he's, you know, gotten some kind of closure. uh, But, you know, he can kind of move past a little bit to kind of show a little bit more of his personality, which is exactly what we got in this. Plus you get the comics part of it where he is Baron Zemo and that Baron isn't just a a random word. Mm -hmm. He's rich. He's got connections. He's got money. Which helps, you know, our main two people in the show be able to do what they want to do and find who they need to find for the show to move forward. So I think he plays an essential part in the show, whether or not he, his part is like a hundred percent, necessary in my opinion maybe not but it's cool to see him and they intertwine him pretty well it's cool to see him in the mask finally yes um so that part was really cool um so and and to see him in all his fluffy coats was pretty cool too um and i think like i think it's more so hey we're gonna bring back this character that you know already because he's gonna come back again later right so i thought this was like if you had to make me rank what stingers we were going to get at the end of this series. Number one for me was going to be Zemo at the raft and then some kind of interaction either with some of the other prisoners there or a character we will discuss here shortly. Yeah, exactly like the Spider-Man one. Yes. Something exactly like that. And and you would have gotten the beginning of the formation of the Thunderbolts where Zemo's going to be the head of this organization 
And that's going to be his springboard for future Marvel properties. But maybe that's coming in Black Widow, which we are we're already supposed to seen, and we don't know that. Like I just, Possible. I just thought of this, like when we were prepping for this, that you know, because we meet, you know, a random cameo character by my love of Julia Louise Dreyfus in the show, and I we hear she is in Black Widow, and she is going to be like the person that facilitates the Thunderbolts. We think. So maybe, you know, she heavy-handedly kind of tells us who or yes. when is going to be involved in that in the movie, and we just haven't seen that yet. Quite possible. To, to close it out for Zemo, he just stole every scene that he was in, really, for me. Dance like, your heart out, Zemo. Just, just great. Phenomenal. Probably, I would say, the most complicated character in this whole series was Wyatt Russell, Man, You Look Like Your Dad. <laughs> as John Walker, a.k.a. briefly Captain America, a.k.a. U.S. agent, and that will probably be the role that he fulfills as we move on in the MCU. Uh, we don't have any U.S. agent prior to this uh, TV show. Yes, I know nothing about that character, seeing as I don't read comics. Um, neither, and neither do I, uh, but we get a very clear, you know, uh, he is appointed... Uh, Captain America by the government after Sam uh, turns down the shield at the beginning of the show. He's, you know, glorified, uh, you know, three-time Medal of Honor recipient. Uh, he's not a super soldier at the start of this. Uh, he's just a, a, the pinnacle of human uh, physique um, and, you know, serves as Captain America, uh, realizes that he's really out of his depth. Uh, Pretty know, quickly, I think he realizes that. You know, he fights uh, super soldiers uh, with the Flag Smashers and and realizes that he's out of his depth. Uh, and then he fights the Dora Milaje, who are, who are only humans, but kick his ass nonetheless. Which is a great scene. And you know, one of the better action set pieces of the entire show. Uh, and then his best friend, who I'm blanking on his name... Uh, ends up getting killed by one of the Flag Smashers. You see one of the most gruesome scenes in any... You don't... Well, you kind of see it. Yes, but even still. So, again, one of the episodes, I believe it's episode uh, four. Yes. Episode four ends with John Walker using the shield to bash in one of the Flag Smashers' skull. And the end shot of the episode is John Walker standing there in the Captain America uniform with the Captain America shield splattered with blood on it and just and everything opposite what Steve Rogers stood for. Pretty powerful shot. Uh, and it was like, when that episode ended, I was like, whoa! Like, that was insane. I would have never thought we would have saw that in a Marvel show, to be honest. Uh, and, and when you, in, in that episode, earlier in that episode... Battlestar dies, which is his friend's name. They Battlestar there. dies, and also, uh, you know, seeing that he is up against overwhelming odds, he takes the, the super soldier serum that he found. Yes, which I thought they did a really cool job of not actually showing us that. Yes. Like, I didn't like that at first, that they didn't show uh -huh. it to us, because I was like, wait, we don't know what's happening. Did he take it? Did he not take it? And then as I sat with it for a little bit, I was like, oh, that's a cool idea to kind of, like, keep us guessing and wonder when he took it and how it affects him and I just kind of thought like I think it is kind of weird that like when we uh like hear Carly kind of talk about all of them taking it that they a lot of them had like 
didn't feel pretty good for quite a while mm-hmm. and he kind of just takes it and he's like full <laughs> full speed right. ahead yeah but um yeah the captain america shield scene is crazy and very powerful and i think that's where well definitely is that's where he takes his turn and we see him become not no longer a good guy and really just the the conversation between him and hoskins his best friend before hoskins is killed so you get that really cool conversation where john walker is sitting there with hoskins his best friend battlestar and john asked him would you take the the super soldier serum if it was offered to you he was like yeah like and john's you know saying well would you be worried about the side effects Hoskins says it just makes you more of what you already are. That is a really interesting framing for how we see U.S. agent for the rest of the show. Like a question I asked you several times during the the show was, what percentage of empathy are we supposed to feel for him? Like, is he all the way a bad guy? Is he in a gray area? Like, uh, and and I think that it's it's a kind of ambiguous idea that the show leaves you with and really makes it interesting as to how much of a bad guy do you want to think that he is. Yeah, I think that's on purpose. And I think, you know, that's kind of portrayed when he's at his hearing and he says, you made me this, you know. But Minus also him. that the fact that he couldn't keep his cool, right? Like that he, right, you see him sure. really give in to the anger and the rage uh, during that hearing. Yeah, if it makes you more of who you are, I think, you know, if you have an easy trigger then yeah. that just really amplifies it. Yeah. So, uh, definitely a, a very interesting character. I mean, this definitely seems like we're heading in, a, you know, the Thunderbolts would be kind of a uh, Marvel equivalent of the Suicide Squad, except it's Marvel, so they'll handle it better and do it better than uh, DC ever will. Uh, but we see... Uh, well, let's just talk about her now. Uh, Julie Louis-Dreyfus is... Barely in this show. Still uh, amazing, though. Uh, Countess Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. Don't call me Val. <laughs> um, and she seems to be kind of, you know, the dark version of Nick Fury. Right. Uh, she, she served as Madame Hydra in the comic books. Seems like she is going to be the person who puts together the team of bad guys slash anti-heroes yeah. slash people who live in... The gray area of the law and morality. Yeah, and supposedly her and Fury have like a past romantic relationship. Yep. So mm-hmm. it'd be really interesting to see them on screen together. Yes. What do you think? Why do you think Julia Louis Dreyfus wanted to be on a Marvel show? Um, money. <laughs> it's the first. <laughs> you thing. think so? It's like, the first. I mean, she doesn't need money, so probably not. I mean, maybe she's a fan. I don't really, obviously, know her personally, but. Right. I mean, I think all of the big things she was doing are done, and maybe she was a really big fan of Marvel, or maybe Marvel just was like, hey, we want you to make all this money, and you get to have the easiest job because you're just in all this movies for, like, ten minutes, like Fury is. Right, like, they probably could have filmed all of her scenes in one or two days. <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah right? tops, like... for sure. And the fact that it was still a secret, like, we didn't know. Even though she was supposed to be in Black Widow, we uh-huh. had no idea she was coming in this. We knew there was a cameo. We just didn't know who it was. Did you see the social media post of the, of the Black Cloak that they smuggled her on the set? I did not. Is that a real thing? Yes, they, like, 
smuggled her in with like a black like ring wraith cloak and the, oh and the, my god that's fantastic uh, it, yeah it was just hilarious looking um, that's great no and i appreciate that i love that marvel goes that far to keep secrets from us because it's got to be like the hardest thing ever to keep secrets from the media and from people specifically looking for those secrets and to be surprised i mean would i in a hundred years have guessed it was her absolutely not I don't even know that character. I had no idea that character existed. Like, that's a ridiculous name for a character, first of all. (laughs) She has, like, eight names. But um, I was so excited. I literally squealed watching it. Like, I mean, if you're an avid TV watcher, you know who she is, and you know how amazing she is. And she's really funny, so she fits right into the Marvel satire, and I can't wait to see what they do with her. Yeah, I just want to make the point of how amazing it is to me when this... When the MCU starts, you have Robert Downey Jr., who's obviously a very famous person, but somebody who is on the rebound, right? Who, you know, is a known drug addict. Not a very well-liked person. Not a very well-liked person. And he's kind of the, the, the headliner that you then have the Chris Wars. the show. The, yeah. You then have the Chris Wars, Chris... Yeah, Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, yeah. Chris, who, you know, they obviously grow to end up being very famous people, Mm -hmm. but they're not, you know, the A-listers. Right, not yet. That even Robert Downey Jr. was. Now, you know, a decade later, 23 movies later, whatever, you know, however far in, 15 years we're in or whatever, and the next Thor movie, we know that Christian Bale and (laughs) Russell Crowe are going to be in these movies. Yeah, and Matt Damon. And Matt Damon. (laughs) So... Who was already in one. <laughs> so every, you know, actor of note now under the sun feels like they can come in and they could be in a, in a Marvel movie. Right. Even if you don't want to be, you know, Captain America, if you want to have a cameo or you want to play this small part where you show up for three days and you make, you know, five million bucks, why wouldn't you right. do that? And I mean, again, like, and you know, you have all the different levels, right? You have the Julie Louis-Dreyfus cameo level and then you have... The, uh, you know, I'm... Uh, the Kate, Natalie Portman level. You have Natalie Portman level. You have Kate Blanchett. I'm just going to be a one movie. I'm yeah. going to be the bad guy. And I'm going to, you know, yeah. I'm going to be dead by the end of the movie. Yep. So I'm done. You have Sir Anthony Hopkins just being like, I'm just going to be Odin. And I'm going to be in like... <laughs> be asleep all the time. I'm going to be a couple movies. <laughs> but I just get to like be cool and hang out for a while. Uh, before I fade away in Thor Ragnarok. And then, you you know, you obviously have... Uh, you know, some really famous people still being main characters and locked up to, mm-hmm. to multi-movie deals and whatnot. But it just, it just, it just warms my heart to the fact that it's it's so popular now. Yeah. That you know, usually one of the issues that you have with sci-fi, fantasy, comic book stuff is that because it was a niche thing, mm-hmm. you can't get mainstream, right. important, talented actors. Well, I think it took them a while to get there. But now, we're, yeah. we're, the machine is humming. Right, and like, I mean, when you're talking about like Julie Reed Dreyfus or Brie Larson, these are award-winning actors multiple times over right. that you're getting to play Marvel characters. So, I mean, they should be very proud of themselves in that circumstance. But they can also back up the truck, you know? They make a lot of money, and they can throw a lot of money around at people. So, money talks usually. I'm just just thrilled that uh, we're just in the golden age, being a nerd, and 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 everybody wants to be a part of it. So. <laughs> okay, back on track. We've got a, just a few more characters we're going to finish up. Emily Van Camp as Sharon Carter, aka 
Dun, 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 the power broker. Which I think we all saw coming, but. Yeah, I'm going to, I have a big picture question, but we'll just, we're just going to talk about it now instead of saving it for later. So, Sharon Carter is Peggy Carter's niece. She's a former agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. She has been in the Winter Soldier and Civil War. Uh, as of the end of Civil War, she's on the run because she, you know, went against the CIA and gave back Cap and, Fel- and Falcon their equipment and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, Awkward kiss with Cap. And, yes. And, <laughs> and that's what we know of her prior to the show starting. Uh, we meet her in, you know, the mythical city of Madripoor. Which is, you know, a city of rogues and where all kinds of shady stuff happens. Looks pretty cool. Uh, Madripoor, a well-known uh, locale for Wolverine. So, something to think about. Sure. Uh, Didn't even know that. As we, as we go forward, uh, Wolverine likes to spend some time there. But what we end up, you know, we know that uh, Sharon is, is undercover. And she's, you know, she is not allowed to be in the United States. She would need a pardon to return. Uh, and they're purposely very vague on, on who she is, what she's doing, right. who she's in communication with. And so, in the middle of episode six, we come to find out that this power broker character, who is ordering the creation of super soldier serum, uh, and seems to be a very important, you know, power player, pardon the pun, in this MCU, uh, is Sharon Carter. And... I'm going to pose this to you. Do you think this is a problem or not? Do you think this is going to get old? So, again, this is another two-for-two trend. In WandaVision, we know that something is going wrong in the city of Westview. That somebody besides Wanda is involved with what's going on as a magic user. And, you know, you have the whole internet aflame as a Mephisto. It was crazy. Uh, and, And it... Just ended up being the obvious. It was, in fact, Agnes, who was Agatha Harkness, who was, you know, the the person in plain sight all along, did end up being the big yes. man. Flash forward to this show. You have the Power Burger. We don't know who it is. The only person that really kind of makes sense is Sharon Carter as the show goes along, unless you're going to go, like, way, way, way out in left field. Mm-hmm. And episode six, guess who's the Power Burger? It's Sharon Carter. Right. Uh, she ends up being able to maintain her hidden identity by killing Batrock and Carly as the lead flank smasher. Is there a question? So my question to you is, after, you know, a three-minute preface. I'm used to this. <laughs> is, do you think it's going to get old if the formula continues? Because we only have six, seven, eight episodes. Of the TV shows. Of the TV mm-hmm. shows. The fact that it seems like the obvious thing is going to be the answer to the mystery thing. Do you think it's going to take away from shows as we go along? Yes, I do. Is the obvious, I mean, my obvious answer, I think. I really hope that that's not what's like coming in every TV show. Mm -hmm. Like, I hope that maybe that was just a these two TV shows kind of thing. And I think like, I don't. I don't really know why they didn't like that because I think you could have told us she was the power broker in episode three mm-hmm. and why would that change anything? It could have played out exactly like it did. You know, I know you, it's, you get it for the like, suspense of it, but I don't think it changes that much for you to like fill in the audience that she is the power broker. 
I think people thought that was the obvious answer, and that's why they were trying to find a different answer mm-hmm. as to who the power broker was. But, I mean, and I'm just really surprised. I think the big surprise for me is that once she is awarded that pardon and everything, she still wants to be the power broker, and she still wants yes. to facilitate all of the things that she was doing as a power broker, even though she's working for the U.S. government again. So I know that's probably where they knew they wanted to get to, but I think you can still get there, even telling us earlier in the show that she is the power broker. So I really, to answer your question, I really hope that that's not where we're going with all of these shows. And maybe that was just like, happened to be these two shows that that's how they ended up playing it. And you know, the, for WandaVision, yeah, there was a lot of like Easter eggs for all of the Mephisto stuff. And maybe Mephisto is actually coming mm-hmm. down the road yeah. and all of that will pay off eventually. But I think that just ran completely wild. We all kind of lost our minds with the first Marvel right. thing coming back. So I think we kind of overplayed that on the on the viewer side of that aspect. So I really hope not to answer your question, but we'll have to wait and see. I don't really know how you would do that in Loki or what is even going to happen in Loki. So let's just hope that that's not what's happening. Yeah, so I would agree with that. I think in WandaVision, I think the mystery does drive the show and the suspense is good and meaningful. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we don't know who it is. We know something is obviously going wrong, but we don't know how much is is it Wanda doing it herself, right? right? Because we don't know if that that show is going along. Is this all just the construction of, of her power unrestrained, which the answer was pretty much yes. But or is this completely being driven by a bad guy and it's all their fault? No, but there was a bad guy. Right, I think it was a strings. combination of right. that. Yeah, uh, and who it was, I think that was kind of interesting. Again, it's also dealing with characters who have a little bit more weight. I mean, Mephisto is one of the biggest bad guys in all of right, and the, of, it, um, you know the they didn't universe. say that like Agatha could not be working for someone else or be right. in cahoots with someone else. You don't know that yet. That could be coming. Like. Everyone has to remember that all of this stuff is so planned out that the Easter eggs you see from Mephisto in WandaVision could not pay off until five movies later. Right. So I think we just kind of were all diving headfirst into the first thing we were given and we kind of maybe need to take a step back and kind of just take a breath and say, you know, Kevin Feige knows what he's doing and it'll come in time. Right. And you made a really good point. Like, I think if they would have just an episode... I don't know, whichever one it was. When they go to Magic Four. When they go to Magic Four, if they would have just ended an episode where Bucky and Sam leave and she like answers the phone and it's made clear that she is the power broker. Right, exactly. I don't think that really changes anything about the show. Either because you as the viewer know then, but Sam and Bucky don't know that, and they still don't know that. And again, like what is the like how important is the power broker? What do they have the ability to do? What's their effect on the plot? Like None of that really seemed very central to this show. Yeah. So it was a mystery with no real payoff to me, really. Right, you could have told the audience whenever. Like, like when it was Agatha, uh, and you have the whole song at the (laughs) end. Yeah, there's a point to that. There was a point to that, and it felt important to the show. And you can't tell until you get to the end of the show. This one, I was like, oh, they revealed it was Sherry, and I was kind of just like... Okay, oh. whatever. Oh, okay. So Right, yeah. So I will be interested to see how that you know, how that plays out going forward. Like you said, Loki's coming up as our next Marvel TV show. Very excited for that. Um, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, but I really hope that they don't follow this mold just to try and hook as many people in 
just for a very obvious payoff at that end. Agreed. So. All right, let's uh, kind of blaze through the rest of these people. Okay. We're, we're through the major characters. Uh, the last major one I want to touch on is Carl Lumbly as Isaiah Bradley, who is an African-American Korean War veteran and super soldier who was imprisoned and experimented on for 30 years. Sam does not know that this character exists. He's never been, you know. I mean, none of us do. Yep. We've never heard about this character before. Uh, America as a whole doesn't have him in their collective history. Bucky knows about him, you know, through his service to Hydra and being alive at that and active during that, mm-hmm. that point of history. Uh, but Sam is floored that he exists. He has several conversations with him throughout the show. Obviously, Isaiah Radley is very well, deservedly bitter about being imprisoned uh, for 30 years, for just doing his duty, for losing his wife in that time uh, that he was in prison. Uh, and again, being somebody who experienced all the horrible systemic racism that the country does show, uh, you know, understandably was just, you know, said that no self-respecting black man should want the mantle of Captain America. Um, but this character really, like, provides... I would love to see, you know, even just, like, a one-hour one flashback show or, or some even just in this show, I would have loved a flashback to see him in full... Yeah, Korean, that'd be cool. You know, Korean War, you know, at the height of his power type deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the fact that, you know, his words do weigh on Sam, and Sam really has to... To think them through and and figure out how he's going to respond to them, but then to see him at the very end be immortalized in a statue in this Captain America museum, mm-hmm. um, and for the world to know uh, all the good things he did for the country, just was really like great. Like you know, some of the you know, yeah, you could say maybe it's a little corny, maybe it's a little heavy-handed, uh, but I just loved it. Like it was just so it was so moving. Yeah, for um, sure. And just, again, the fact that this show went there. Like, this show did not skirt around, uh, not at you, know, all. Uh, you know, difficult issues, uh, uncomfortable issues. Uh, and really is one of the reasons why I think it's a really high-quality show. Yeah, I think they did a good job of laying it out in front of you that Isaiah and Steve had a lot of the same mirrored path. And, you know, they both made decisions to go against the grain and go do something that the government didn't necessarily want them to do to go save people they thought they need saved. And Steve got rewarded for it as Captain America and Isaiah gets, you know, shunned for it and sent to prison and gets experimented on and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, as you said, he has every right to be as bitter as he is. And um, I think it really shows the difference of treatment in this country of between white and black people. And they, I don't really know that actor very well. I was kind of surprised that I didn't really know him from anything because I thought his portrayal was amazing. And I don't know if we'll see him going forward or just see his nephew. Mm-hmm. Is it a nephew? Grandson? Whatever, Grandson. Whatever he is mm-hmm. that we think is part of going to be part of the Young Avengers, which is a whole different part of this show that themed in a little bit. But I was very impressed with this. And as you said, like um, giving him his due at the end in the museum and all that kind of stuff is really cool. And I think that's, what I've heard from, you know, as we have these hard conversations with our friends and people of color to really understand how these people feel is that, you know, when you're taught these things in school about our history, and I think it's really glassed over and how, you know, America was 
came to be and was built on the backs of slaves. And, you know, yeah, you're taught about slavery. You're taught about, um, I think, the superficial kind of stuff. And I think if you really teach in the classrooms what happened and give people the education going forward, I think that helps us move forward and, you know, make America a better place. Yeah, I mean... Not great again. I'll Go get, away, Donald Trump. I'll get political for one second. Like, when Trump was president, he had planned a rally in Tulsa, which was the spot of some race riots at some point in our past, on Juneteenth, mm-hmm. which I don't ever remember learning in, in I mean, history class. I've seen that on a calendar and never even knew what that was. And, you know, and having to discover that is the holiday celebrating the emancipation of those who were freed uh as, as slaves in the united states that, that and that's not a big deal like how do we not celebrate that how do we not know that right like so, what? you know again you know this is something that we watched with our son and we were able to kind of have some very basic conversations about you know treating people fairly and that you know we treat people all the same no matter what they look like or the color of their skin so again this show didn't skirt any of these issues and i think was rewarded uh because of it all right, finish this up. Aaron Kellyman as Carly Morgenthau, the head flag smashers. I think these guys suck as villains. <laughs> wow, tell us what you really think. <laughs> um, I don't disagree, so uh, understandable for your feelings. But, uh, yeah, I just never really, like, liked her. No, never. And I never really felt bad for her. And I think her storyline got a little jumbled around a little bit for rewrites or something or whatever. Yeah, do you want to talk about that real quick? I mean, we can, I guess. I think, like, it's been put out there that I think this show is going to be basically about a vaccine and a widespread um, plague. plague. Mm -hmm. And I think when COVID hit, they were kind of like, shit, we kind of need to change this. Because this is actually happening in America right now. We don't want to do that. So I think, you know, because in the first episode, I think it's refer- they're referred to as vaccines, not as serums. Right. So when they're have, stolen. You have this Mamadonia character who's like this mother figure to Harley. And she's very sick and she ends up dying in the show. But you, like, none of the details are ever right. really filled in. It doesn't make, like, any sense and to the show. it sounds like it was something where it's like, oh, there was something contagious going on. Yeah, I'm that, trying to steal a vaccine to heal this person that right. I care about, but, and, but you never just, explained. You had, to, you had to get rid of all, you would have to get rid of all of that. Right, of COVID, exactly. So. so, I think, I don't really know why they left that in then, but, you know, whatever. So, um, yeah, I think that, that definitely probably happened, but, um, I mean, yeah. God, it's hard. Like, do we need them in this show? Like, I guess it drives it forward as far as, like, yes, you need need them for the show to make sense. But do we need her specifically to, like, can they just be the group? Like, does it, do we need her? I think you have to have a figurehead. I think you have to have the fact that she was the clear, she was the one who went too far, right? Right. But do we ever get an explanation of her? Like, the best villain is a villain you can agree with to a certain point and I don't ever think we got like a good enough backstory for her for me to care like Eh, I mean I think her I mean her point is valid right I mean you know a bunch of people have to roll disappear during the snap and people kind of just yeah the people who are no I agree with her point her point is 100% valid but what so what makes you the person that everyone wants to follow yeah. When I, everyone believes the same thing. You're right. I don't think we got that. And 
in I think we got a backstory for her. I just don't think that she was like I, I don't know if it was the writing or her performance. I just didn't really care for her as a villain. Yeah, she uh, was not. Lying. I was much more interested by U.S. Agent. Um, for sure, yeah, and, way and better storyline. Story yeah. yeah, for sure, agreed. Okay, so we've gone through the major characters. Another point I want, another question I want to ask you, similar to the vein of the, you know, the the mystery reveals. I kind of think that what I'm about to propose takes away from the TV shows a little bit. And again, two for two. In WandaVision, you have this incident that happens in Westview where Wanda takes over the city and her grief with her magic powers uncontrolled. Um, you know, she runs into Agatha. She learns about being the Scarlet Witch and whatnot. Uh, but in the end, you see her, uh, you know, studying the Darkhold. You know that's, that's going to be the Doctor Strange tie-in. But really, besides her kind of just learning a little bit more of her powers, there's not a whole lot that, like, truly matters from a plot perspective in that show, as far as movies go. Okay. In this show, Avengers Endgame ends with Captain America giving Sam Wilson the shield. The show ends with Sam Wilson being Captain America. Mm-hmm. So, are they going to let major plot points happen in these shows? I feel like we had this conversation in the reverse. And yes. At I, the end of WandaVision. You are, because I think you made that point, and I, I said, did. oh, well, what about Photon? And you have new Vision, you know, running around somewhere or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I, maybe I'm just... Is this you taking my idea as your own again? No, I, maybe I'm just backpedaling. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'm just curious now, like, obviously interesting and important things happen in these shows. Right. But did, do they really, are they really going to advance any plots? Or are they really just going to be giving more detail and color to things that yes. we already kind of know? I think they just give you background and they might give you a new character here or there like i think you get photon who's going to be in captain marvel too it's our guess yes it's our guess technically she's already around in the universe as a kid we just don't know her as an Mm -hmm. adult so i mean obviously her having powers is new but i mean white vision is just a different version of vision that we're getting yeah, as I mean, a we'll new have character. To, we'll have so, to see exactly how he If used. that works. Um, and then, I mean, obviously, I mean, everyone in the show was already around, minus the Flag Smashers, which don't really exist anymore, mm-hmm. kind of. So, um, yeah, like, I stand where I stood last time. I think that these don't really have as much importance yet. I think they have to prove it to us. Like, I know Kevin Feige and a lot of people at Marvel has said that these are important and you need to watch these to know what's going on. And I do think you should watch WandaVision if you're going to watch Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness to know where Wanda's at mm-hmm. and know what's going on. I do think that's important. Um, it may maybe like, you know, Agatha shows up or whoever, you know, wouldn't make sense to you if you hadn't watched that. Right. So in that circumstance, I mean, is that a plot line that you're looking at that matters? Or is that just, you know we got introduced to new people. And if you want to see their introduction, you should watch this before you see them in this show. 
I don't know. I feel like I've argued both sides of this, <laughs> you have. of this conversation already, so I don't really know. I mean, again, it takes somebody like me who says, Avengers Endgame, do I really think Sam's going to be a good Captain America? And now I know, like, he's. we know he is Captain America mm-hmm. at the end of the show, and you're going to see him next in a movie yeah. as Captain America. Right. But now I do at least feel better now. Theoretically, I have had my question answered. Mm-hmm. And I feel better about him being Captain America. And that is important. Yeah. Uh, I just... it Loki, again, I think is really going to be the test case. Because we're really kind of like out in uncharted waters with him. Mm-hmm. He's, he's outside the timeline. They can really do anything. Because he's not the Loki from our timeline. And they right. can do whatever they uh, want. But if they make the show be... He has a you know a really cool and exciting, uh, you know six or eight episodes or whatever it is. But ultimately, it just gets us back to the point where he's just like mm-hmm. back in our universe and nothing really matters. Yeah. Then I'm going to start to wonder like, are these shows going to lose some of their luster because they're just going to be enjoyable things to consume at some point, but not really as important. Like it's going to be movies number one. Yeah, TV number two. Right. No, I agree with you. And I think that even gets more complicated as we get more into the normal rhythm of Marvel and as we get into the movies coming back out. Because as movies are coming out and you're going to also have TV shows coming out, you know, do people only want to care about, oh, I'm going to go watch these movies because I want to watch the movies. The movies are great. And I'll make time for the TV show whenever I get around to it. Right, right. now, the TV shows are all we really have. Right. Because we don't even have any blockbuster movies yet in the movie theaters. So these are basically blockbusters weekly right now. Because everyone is what everyone's consuming. And it's the water cooler talk. And it's what everyone's watching. So um, I think it'll be really interesting to see kind of where everyone falls as we really get into the grind of it. I mean, as we get... Past Loki, I don't really know what the slate is for, like, when Hawkeye and all that kind of stuff comes out. I think it's this year. But, I mean, we're going to have, what is it, four Marvel movies in a span of six months, which is, like, crazy. And you're going to throw, like, a Hawkeye series. And, and, like, do I have to watch the Hawkeye series to watch the next movie to know what's going on? Does that matter? Do I have to watch them in that order? I mean, you and I know that we're going to watch all this shit as it comes out in the order that it comes out. But there are casual people who, you know, just say, oh, I'll watch it when I get to it. But if you don't watch it in the right order, is it going to matter? Right. And as of watching them right now, I would say absolutely not. Like, I mean, do you want to watch Sam become Captain America? Then watch the show. If you just want to say Cap is in the shield and he's Captain America, that's all you really need to know going forward. Like, Yeah, but we might get to the point, and again, you'll probably drag me along and this won't actually happen, but... We get to the point where it's like, okay, the TV shows are clearly secondary, mm-hmm. and I am like drowning at work, you know, over the stretch of November, and we got holidays and then Christmas. Oh, and I just watch those without you. And and <laughs> yes, and you know, a new Hearthstone expansion comes out, and I want to just you know, jump down to my computer in the basement or whatever. Wow. And Hawkeye comes out, and I'm just like, I don't give a shit about Hawkeye. I can watch this whenever. You know, it'll be interesting to see if it loses. Right now, it's you and I sit down every Friday, mm-hmm. and it's a capstone of our of our week, and we look forward to it. Yeah. If we have a long trend where we realize these TV shows aren't that important, mm-hmm. maybe it loses that appeal. And again, like you said, 
especially once we start getting movies. I agree. I think the hardest thing with that scenario is getting spoiled. Like, yeah. if you don't, True. like, I like I would have been content to wait till Saturday or Sunday because I wasn't, like, dying to see the next episode for these. Was I excited? Yeah, I wanted to see it. I wanted to know what was happening. But I wasn't waking up at 5 a.m. to watch this, that, that, like, finale, like we did with WandaVision. So... I don't know. Like, I feel like maybe if it was more of a situation where I didn't think I was going to get spoiled getting on Twitter or anything, that I would not be as, like, on top of it. Yeah. The Twitter thing is a good point, but you really got to stay off social media. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard. Uh, All right. That segues nicely into uh, my next question for you. Uh, Did you like this more than WandaVision? No. (laughs) um okay so wandavision more so pulls at my heartstrings of things i love Mm -hmm. i love old sitcoms and i love you know the comedy of it and the hominess of it and i didn't really love those characters when the show started but i we get more episodes and more time with them and i really started to love these characters and the quality of that, I think, was just higher tier. And I do think the Easter eggs that are all in that are crazy and are going to pay off at some point in this show, in this uh, MCU. So, I don't know. I know. Like, I think Falcon and the Winter Soldier is good. Do not get me wrong. I liked it. I don't know if I would say I loved it. I did like it. I think it's in the middle tier for me as far as, like, Marvel products and the MCU. Okay, that was my follow-up to this. Where would you if where would you power rank this in your now 24 items in the MCU? Yeah, I think it falls somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Like, I don't know an exact number, but it falls somewhere in there. And I think WandaVision stays in my top 10. And this is... 12 to 20 I don't I don't know probably like right around in there somewhere so I think it's the normal Marvel thing you know nothing like over the top happened that was crazy out of the blue and nothing was like ridiculous no one died no no one came to life that I didn't know existed like nothing like no there was no moment where I was like holy shit kind of thing I think the biggest like shocking thing to me was Julia Louis-Dreyfus which doesn't really have an impact on anything yet. So for me, it's just kind of in the middle. I would say that as of the start of episode six, when Falcon is in his new costume looking dope, I would say that this show was above WandaVision for me. Okay. But I think that the series finale was disappointing. Maybe it was because I was just a little out of it from... It was a little tired yesterday from getting getting the vaccine or whatever. I thought the action was pretty hard to follow in the series finale, where exactly they were. And You're not like, a person that rewatches things either. So I think you would be really surprised if you sit down and rewatch things more often. True. That you do get a different, like, no, um, I rewatch thought lots process. of things, just not the things that Rewatching you Rewatching Lord of the Rings 20 times does not count. That's not what oh, I mean. Oh, That's counts. not what I mean. <laughs> Return of the King, amazing, won a shit ton of Oscars and the Oscars. You're not out. wrong. That's not my point. Like when it comes to TV, then you just don't usually rewatch anything. True, that's very true for TV. By the end of the episode, I thought the series finale was a little disappointing. It just, it did not. I felt much better about the Wandavision one. 
I was more excited for this week to week. And maybe it was just because, as you said, this felt more stereotypical Marvel. WandaVision was very different. And it mm-hmm. was cool. And I liked it quite a bit. But it took a little while for me to warm up to the new and the differentness. Mm-hmm. Whereas this just felt, this is just straight. Like, this is Winter Soldier. This is Civil yeah, War. Yeah, 100%. This is cut from that exact same plot. And I think that's why this was supposed to be first, you know? Yes. And so that leads me to the last item to wrap up before we move on to our list. Which is... Going back to the order, this was supposed to be come out first, and then WandaVision. The reverse actually happened because of right. COVID. Now that we've seen both shows, which one do you think should have came out first? I think it worked in their favor. Why? To be honest. Um, like I said on the WandaVision um, episode, I think that WandaVision is just so different and was maybe so popular more so because it was the only thing we had available like i mean it's longer the first few episodes you're kind of like what the f is happening is this even marvel i have no idea what's going on kind of thing and people were kind of like having that and kind of like i don't know if i want to stick with this and then but they didn't have a choice because what else are you gonna watch There's nothing else Marvel that they're giving you right now so you're gonna watch this and i think if you're given falcon and the winter soldier first which is 100% typical Marvel, looks like the movies, doesn't look like they chimped any money on the TV show, then go to WandaVision, people are like, what the fuck are you doing? And, like, why does this even matter? Why am I watching this? I don't want to watch this. Like, And they just, like, fall off of it. I don't think it's, you know, people don't stick with it. Maybe you watch the first couple episodes, but you don't stick with it if it's not the first thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the, like, intrigue, and maybe that's purposely why they had so many, like, Easter eggs and stuff in it, because they knew that would keep people interested uh-huh. into it, but I do think that that order actually works better, even if it kind of screwed around with some of the things they wanted to do in Black Widow. I think you are 100% correct. I think if you are the showrunner... God, I love that. Can I have that on black? <laughs> Please. <laughs> I think if you are, if there's a theoretical competition between the showrunner of Captain, uh, or Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and the showrunner of WandaVision, and you say, you're going to get a $100 million bonus, depending <laughs> on which show people think is better, I think you want to be the first show. Right. So I think the first show, it had been so long since we had a Marvel movie, mm-hmm. that the first show was going to be the winner. Absolutely. And I think you're right. WandaVision benefits from being that one because it was more out of the box. Mm-hmm. I think a part of WandaVision's appeal was just that it was the first Marvel thing that we'd had in forever. And more people would have liked it less if it was the second thing. Agreed. Whereas Falcon and the Winter Soldier is that stereotypical Marvel thing. People are going to like it just because they get all the nostalgia from mm-hmm. Winter Soldier and... Uh, Civil War and all that. So I think you are correct. This order actually works out better for them. And I think also because we're starting to see where the order isn't going to matter as much overall for plot. Like, it really wouldn't have mattered if Falcon and the Winter Soldier came out before WandaVision. It would not have affected WandaVision in any way from a plot perspective. These are two completely different things. Right. But does... So we're technically now getting also getting Loki before we get Black Widow. So assuming that Loki... Is it really? Yes. Loki comes out on JJ's birthday, our youngest's birthday. Okay. Um, so June 11th. 
And I think we get the last episode on the day Black Widow drops. No shit. But I still, I don't think it's going to matter. Or it's close to that. Or maybe we're just like four episodes in. So maybe we're, it's like still going. Wow. But again, I don't, I don't, I mean, I think that order is not going to matter right now. I don't either. Because Black Widow is, is explicitly set in the past. Right. But I think that, I think that's where the line was. Mm -hmm. I think these three shows maybe, you know, all, so I think your fear of what these two shows are that they're kind of like their own thing. They don't really matter. I think Loki might be that too. Yeah. And then that's why they were willing to do this. Or maybe the end of Loki is not. And that's why it yeah. Black Widow comes out. Because that's not a Marvel date. Right? That was a brand new date they came up with. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. And was like, oh, hey, this random date we're throwing Black Widow to come out all of a sudden. Yeah. They had to know Loki's not going to be done. There's a reason for that. Everything they do is for a reason. So I think that matters. I think that, you know, you get that before you get the end of Loki. And maybe that has repercussions. I'm very curious to see what, if anything, could be in Black Widow that's actually going to matter. In the future, I know we mentioned the Julie. I, they have said that character. that there are things in it that do matter in the MCU going forward. So um, I don't know what those things are, other than her. I have no idea. I think Taskmaster might come back at some point. That's a pretty cool villain. Yeah, or whatever he is. Just take but, all my money, Marvel. Right, and they assume, hey, you haven't had a Marvel movie in like two years. So when Black Widow comes out everyone's going to the theater the first weekend or, you know, buying it on Disney plus, however you feel comfortable doing that. So you're going to see that before you see the rest of Loki. All right. I think that's a good place. Is there anything else that you want to say about this show before we move on? No, I'm very excited for Loki and I can't wait for that. So bring it on. Do you think Loki is going to end up being the best of the three shows? It's kind of hard to beat Tom Hiddleston. He's pretty fucking good. Definitely, I think, the best character of any of the characters. Hands down. Um, yeah, so amazing. Mm -hmm. All right, well, that's going to wrap up our conversation about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Next, we're going to bring on a special guest to give his thoughts on the show, and then we'll be back right after this. We have another special guest here to talk more Marvel. Max, welcome to the show. Hello. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, that is what you say when somebody says hello. Uh, Maxwell, you watched uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier with us. What did you think? Did you like the show? Yes. Did you like it more than WandaVision? Yes. Why did you like it more than WandaVision? Um, I think there's more action in it and more fights in it. Uh-huh. Do you like these characters more than the WandaVision characters? Uh-huh. Yeah. Who was your favorite character in the show? Baron Zemo. Why do you like Baron Zemo? Was he a pretty cool bad guy? Yeah. Yeah. Dad liked him too quite a bit. I thought he was really cool. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite part of the TV show? The truck fight scene where Falcon and Bucky tried to fight the Flash Masters on the truck. Yeah, and then uh, U.S. Agent and his and his sidekick guy fight too, and there's all mm -hmm. of them there on there. Yeah, that was a really cool fight scene. Uh-huh. Yeah, I remember when Bucky was just holding on barely to the truck. That was pretty funny. Uh-huh. Yeah. So do you think do you think Falcon's going to be a good Captain America? Uh-huh. Yeah. You think he's going to be in, in other movies and he's going to be the Captain America? Uh-huh. 
All right. Are you looking forward to Loki? Yes. What do you want to see in the Loki show? What do you um, want to have happen? Well, I think Loki's going to trick them into doing his work again. Yeah? You think he's going to come back to the real timeline? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be a really cool show. Mm-hmm. All right. Is there anything else you want to say about Falcon and the Winter Soldier? No. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Maxwell. We appreciate it. Thank you, Dada. Say goodbye to everyone. Bye. All right, April, we're back, and now it's time for the list of the week. It's the list of the week. Okay, so on the show, as, again, one of our great shared passions and hobbies is movies. You're welcome. I would say I, I love movies quite a bit before <laughs> I met you, but yes, you're <laughs> certainly deep in that love. Um, you and I are both vaccinated. The country Woo-hoo! is starting to be vaccinated. Uh, and movie theaters are starting to open it up. So that is a, a vice that I think we are going to allow ourselves to have. We are going to start attending movies. I don't really plan on bringing in our children to movie town. They'll have you, to can, be a, you can deal with your oldest son about that one. will have to be a separate conversation. <laughs> Maybe, you know, that, uh, you know, Sunday, you know, 10 o'clock a.m. showing on a pretty empty theater That's might be okay. Boring. That's pretty boring. But okay. It is what it is. It's a pandemic wave. Um... But yes, movies. And movies are coming back in 2021. Thank God. For this list, we are going to count down our top five most anticipated movies that are releasing in theaters. For sure. In 2021. And if not, fuck off. We need all these movies. (laughs) You are just jonesing for some movies. Oh my gosh, I cannot wait. Like, I don't think people understand. Like, movies are my thing. And you took away my thing. For so long that you just should be happy that all of my family members are still alive. (laughs) (laughs) April showed a remarkable amount of restraint not going to any movie theaters. Not that there was really anything showing a lot. Do you know the last movie I saw in movie theaters? What was it? Bad Boys 3. (laughs) Which was amazing. Wow. But that was so long ago. That was what? Like more than January of 2020. Oh, was the last movie I saw in movie theaters. And yours is before that, right? Because you didn't even go with me to that movie. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, for several years now, I have started keeping a list of the movies that you and I see in the theater. It's a nice little thing. I love lists. You love <laughs> movies. And yes, our... Do you put a little sad face next to the ones that are on the list okay. that you don't go to? <laughs> okay. You're, you are incorrect. No, I'm correct. No, 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 no. We saw Birds of Prey after Bad Boys 3. Is that in March? Uh, well... We'll have to put the research staff on here in a second. But in 2020, you alone saw Bad Boys 3, Jumanji 2. You and I both went to see 1917 in theaters. That's before that. Yeah, that's before Christmas, right? Which, no, 2020. So it must have been like very early in January of 2020. I saw a lot of movies in like a two-month span. And then Birds of Prey. And then we hit Onward, The Hunt, Extraction, and Wonder Woman 1984. From home. Which were all from home. Yeah, I must have just like blacked out Birds of Prey because I don't really like that movie. What a sad, 
sad list of movies in 2020. Okay, well, the one that sticks out to me is Bad Boys 3 because it was way better than Birds of Prey, so... Your, yes, your Oscar, wait. your Oscar campaign for this movie. <laughs> I tried hard. It's not, really, not really going. Anywhere. I know. Dang it. Okay, so start us off. A lot of these movies are long overdue. Mm-hmm. Um, give us your number five. My number five. These I wouldn't say are necessarily in like the specific order I give them. Like I'm excited for all these movies. My top two are probably my most excited. Make a decision. These bottom three are just like what it is. Whatever. They could be in any order. My top, my number five is Top Gun Maverick. Which I know you're so excited for. So tell them what I bought you for our anniversary. I got gifted the Blu-ray for Top Gun. (laughs) The original. And AirPods. Don't I know that's all I bought you. Which was a gift for me or Yes, because my loving husband at 33 almost has never seen Top Gun. Okay. Just like an American. To clarify, I've never sat down and watched it from start to finish. I've seen... Which is watching Top Gun, just seeing a scene on TBS that's probably cut and dubbed, doesn't qualify for you watching this movie. Babe, I have the need for speed. And now you want to quote it, and you've never even watched it. Like, that's ridiculous. So, this movie looks amazing. I want to see it in a movie theater, because the sound for it's going to be amazing in a movie theater. And you're coming with me, and I will make you watch Top Gun before we go. So, you just better suck it up and get on track. I don't need your sigh. I can't wait to delete that (laughs) sigh out of this podcast. I, if I want a Tom Cruise movie, give me Mission Impossible. I, whatever. I'll go see this movie with you. I don't really like Tom Cruise, but these movies are fantastic. If you say so. All right. So we clearly disagree. So what's your number five? My list is IP Heaven. Oh my gosh. It's just, no, I don't want to see any kind of your original movies. Give me IP. Give me Marvel. Number five. Shang-Chi, Legend of the Ten Rings. Shang-Chi. Thank you <laughs> for the correction there, darling. Uh, I love, uh, you know, kung fu movies. My, my dad raised me on Jackie Chan movies. Uh, this is a part of the MCU. You know, we got in the sh- in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we got, what was it? It was Aliens, uh, AI and wizards or something like that. Uh, oh, the quote, yeah. Uh, as the three, the three things, yeah. The three things. Uh, this is kind of in that mysticism, magical realm. I don't know a lot about uh, Shang Chi and this whole this whole part of the MCU. What did you think of the trailer? The trailer looked dope. Yes, uh, agreed. You know, let's go. Um, Max mu- seemed less enthused. Well, I think this is a more adult. You yeah, know, this is going to be a less. Flashy, you know, stereotypical superhero type movie. And I don't think you understood that, like, the the rings are, like, bracelets that have powers. Yeah. So. Uh, but this looked really cool. Uh, For sure. This is completely new property in the MCU. This is uh, a movie not on my list, The Eternals. Like, we're going to have some movies uh, that are just completely new, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy-esque. You know, we're going with something that people aren't very familiar with, and we'll see if they can... Continue to stick the landing in phase four, but this this uh, leads off my list at number five. Good pick. All right, number four for you. Number four for me is Suicide Squad, the new version for James Gunn. I am so excited for this movie. I have been cheering for this movie since it was announced. 
while my husband over there has been rolling his eyes at me the whole time that I've been excited for this. The trailer's amazing, so if the trailer doesn't get you hyped for this movie, then you probably just don't want to see this movie, so I'll just go by myself. That's fine. If you don't want to go. But um, watching King Shark rip a dude in half, legit, was great. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And James Gunn hasn't let me down yet, so why would I not want to go see this? Um, I am excited. Will you go see this one with me? Yes? I'm sure I will. I'm very disappointed in your list so far. Wow! (laughs) Get Um, out! What you said about James Gunn is factually correct. He, you know, blew my mind with Guardians of the Galaxy. I should be very excited for this. I should be excited that somebody that has proven himself capable is jumping in the DC and taking what is one, maybe the worst superhero movie ever, the David Ayer's version of Suicide Squad, and going to reboot it, make it better. I just... And it's rated R. Like, DC... Yeah. I just left it such a bad taste in my, in my mouth that I just, I'm not excited at all. But I think they've turned a corner. You know, we're not going to talk about the Snyder Cut. We're not going to go there. Wonder Woman 1984? But, like, are yeah, we I mean, sure? I mean, yeah, that wasn't great. But, I mean, there I like Shazam. I'm excited for Black Adam. Like, I think they're doing some good things. So, I don't think you can count this movie out. You're going to... You're going to be singing my praises when you love it. I refuse to see Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. Hater. Which you did go and see. It's fantastic. And if I, I, I might still be convinced. It was nominated that, for an Oscar. I, I, I don't care. I don't want to see it. I don't like Joaquin Phoenix. He won an Oscar. I don't, I don't like Joaquin Phoenix. I don't want to see his depiction of the Joker. Okay, well, you can walk the line as he was said as Johnny Cash. Oh, oh this is also a horrible start. <laughs> All right, we shall see. I'm sure just because I will have the itch to go see as many movies as I can, I will go see this, but I'm not excited. Okay, what's your number four? My number four, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. So you're okay with this shit on your list? Are you serious right now? You liked the first Venom movie. Okay. Don't lie to our I'm audience. not lying that I didn't like it. I do like that. But top five movies for next year? Okay, the title alone is ridiculous. Okay. But, like, seriously? Really? Okay. Growing up, Spider-Man was my favorite Marvel character. He's definitely still He's not in this movie. Me. And Spider-Man is one of my favorite Marvel characters, favorite superhero characters ever, because superheroes are defined by their villains. And Spider-Man has the best bad guys. Venom is the best... I'd argue Batman, but okay. Well, those were the two for me growing up. is Batman and Spider-Man. In uh, the MCU, Spider-Man has the best bad guys. Venom is the best Spider-Man bad guy. And Carnage is up there as well. So, fusing these two people together, you get... Woody Harrelson in a ridiculous wig. The wig better be non-existent. <laughs> uh, and again, Tom Hardy coming back. Oh, God, Tom Hardy, please, all day. It's Venom. Just, just wonderful. Let me see again. You told me the other day that there was some kind of Sony Marvel. There deal. is that is new. Yes, that will bring Spider-Man and Venom and everything to Disney Plus. So, I'm ecstatic about this news. Love Derby Carnage. All right. Well, I think I'm going to like this movie, but 
I don't know if it's worth being in the top five. It's going to be better than Suicide Squad. Fuck it out. <laughs> All right, you're number three. Eternals. So you brought this up earlier, and it's a random pick for me because we don't really know anything about this movie really yet, just like who the people, the main characters are going to be. But haven't got a trailer or anything, which I think this movie is like November. Does that sound right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we should get a trailer like in the summer at some point. So, I'm just really interested for like a completely new thing, a like group movie that has multiple people and it just brings a whole new like aspect into the MCU. And I'm kind of excited to see what they do with it. Like, I was really nervous for this phase four of Marvel with it all being like such new properties, but I'm, I'm kind of like getting excited and maybe it's just because we haven't had something in so long, but like, I want to see all this new stuff. I trust in Marvel. They've given me no reason not to. So this has a lot of big named people in this movie. So bring it on. I, I Again, this could have been number six on my list. This could have made my top five. Uh, I, I oh, so you me. like my list now? No. <laughs> Just this one. I like my list better. Uh, <laughs> I trust Kevin Feige Marvel. Uh, this is not anything that I have any relation to, but there's been plenty of things in the MCU that I haven't had a relationship with that ended up being amazing. Uh, so, uh, this you could take Shang-Chi off my list and put the Eternals in. Yeah. Uh, definitely interested. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Okay, what's your number three? My number three is continuing the theme, Spider-Man No Way Home. I was curious if this was going to be on your list, because as a Spider-Man guy, you've been a bit of a hater on the Spider-Man movie. Regretfully, I want these movies to be better. We, this... I think he's a pretty fucking good Spider-Man. No, 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 that's not what I said. Tom Holland is is an amazing Spider-Man. The scripts and bad guys and... Just, just haven't had the oomph that I wanted. Yeah, to I think how I would phrase that is: Tobey Maguire's villains are better. Tom Holland's a better Spider-Man. Minus Venom, we don't talk about. Venom. I don't, I don't know about that. Green Goblin was amazing. Green Goblin was amazing. Vulture was a pretty good bad guy. Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio is fine. He's mediocre at best. But speaking of bad guys, we so. There are but the ton, old Doc Ops coming back. Yes, there are a ton of rumors around the show. This is going to be... Movie. Uh, movie, thank you. This is going to be, it looks like, more multiverse, right? For sure. So, And it comes out before Doctor Strange. So I think it's going to be the first taste of the multiverse. So this is all essentially confirmed that both Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield... I don't think Marvel has confirmed that. But there's quite a few sources that have pretty much confirmed that. And then Doc Ock was actually confirmed. Yes. Alfred Molina as the original Tobey Maguire Doctor Doc yep. Ock is confirmed that he is in this movie. And picks up right where it left off. Uh, I think we saw some uh, uh, Electro. Yes. Jamie Foxx coming back. Uh, so again, this, this all screams multiverse. And all. so interesting. That's so many storylines for you to play with. Like, yeah, we don't know exactly like how much of a part they're gonna have in these movies, uh, but Sp- all the Spider Mans, all these Spider Man bad guys, leading into Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. Which, if this was a 2021 release, number one on my list. Oh, absolutely, hands down. It's definitely my the top tier for 2022. Absolutely. Um, so anything that's gonna be, 
I love the WandaVision, and it was a prelude to Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. It seems there's plenty of cartoons and comics where Doctor Strange and Spider-Man, you know, have interactions. Yeah. There's a very big Spider-Man uh, storyline uh, that has Mephisto involved in it, uh, yeah. where Spider-Man makes a bargain for the world to forget that he is Spider-Man, mm-hmm. uh, so he can, you know live with his family, live with Mary Jane. Right, because they, from the last Spider-Man movie, they have to play off of everyone knows who Spider-Man is. So, So, yeah, that's where we pick up. So, there's just so much possibility with this movie. There is. I love Spider-Man. Bring it on. This is probably my number six movie. Like, I am not a huge Spider-Man person, and this movie looks pretty cool. Putting the Eternals in over Spider-Man. Just stop. I, I don't know. You and I, though... We'll likely agree on our number two movie. This is true. Number two, No Time to Die. This is exactly where I have it on my list. This movie was supposed to come out forever ago. <laughs> do, do you know when? I'm and Daniel to... Craig cannot get away from being James Bond to save his life. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I want to be done so badly. And you guys will not just release this damn movie. So um, we saw trailers for this quite a while ago. Which look great, like always. Typical James Bond trailer. Um, I, these movies are just fucking good all the time. Like, um, I mean, they have hits and miss, I guess, here or there. Like, they're not all fantastic, but they hold my attention. I really like him as James Bond, so I'm looking forward to his last go-around as it. And it's <laughs> it's been a long time since we've seen a James Bond movie, so. All right, list within a list. Power really? rank. The four Daniel Craig James Bond movies. Casino Royale, number one. one. Um, Skyfall, number two. Um, what's the other, the last one? Spectre. Spectre. And Quantum of Solace. Quantum of Solace is definitely last. <laughs> so. uh, I would just flip one and two. I think Skyfall is fucking dynamite. It is really good. Uh, but Casino Royale is a very, is one B. Yeah, the they're, they're both really good. Uh, it's kind of fallen off, so I really hope this picks it back up. Uh, you and I are due for a rewatch. We should of these four movies. Before. Skyfall's kind of depressing, but oh, so good. <laughs> Javier Bardem is just exceptional in that movie um, as the bad guy. One of the one of the great Bond villains for sure. Definitely. Um, this is number two for me. I love James Bond. Um, I used to on Spike TV growing up. It was so channel. we talked about this before, but if they would have offered this at home, how much would you have paid for this movie? $50. Okay. Seems more reasonable Which, than my $100 I was agreed to pay for a Marvel movie. Yeah. 50 seems reasonable. $50 is the most I would spend for any movie. Except maybe if there was like, they were going to make like part of the Silmarillion as as a, as a movie. Yeah, random thought. When we go back to actual movie theaters, are movies going to cost us like $15 to go see a movie? You know where we're going to go. So. <laughs> I know, but like, since they have making no money, I'm just curious. Yeah, $50 is the, pretty much the most I would spend for any movie. The, the, so this would you want to watch this movie at home though? No, I would absolutely want to go see it. Like, I theater. don't think they're giving it as an option as both, but... If they did, and you could watch it at home, would you go for twenty five bucks, or you could go to the theater? If they re released either Tenet or Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four, would you go see them in a theater? Well, I've never seen Tenet, 
So I probably would go see Tenet. Uh-huh. I would not see Wonder Woman because I've already seen that. Yeah, I, I would consider going to see Godzilla vs. Kong in a theater. That's a movie theater movie, so that makes that sense. that is made for a movie theater. Absolutely. I would want to wait, if if at all possible. This movie was set to release one year ago in April 2020. It has been pushed back a full year. Yeah. I will... And even longer because it doesn't come out until, like, September or... Uh, October 8th, I believe. October 8th? Okay, yep, yeah, that's a while. Uh, no, as... September 30th. Oh, yeah. <laughs> September 30th in the UK and October 8th in the United yeah, States. Yeah, the dates are God only knows at this point. Um, Yeah, I can't wait to see this in the theater. Absolutely. Uh, Ari, you're number one. I mean, I think you know this is coming. Fast 9 for me. I have a huge soft spot for all these Fast and the Furious movies. Minus Tokyo Drift. That movie's ridiculous. But... I don't know what it is about these movies. I literally could rewatch these nonstop and never get tired of them. And it doesn't matter which one, minus Tokyo Drift. They're all fantastic. I love Vin Diesel. Um, I love it when The Rock comes in. <laughs> I mean, anytime this is on, we don't have regular cable anymore, but we do have Hulu Live. So anytime these are playing on TV, these are on. I watch these. And I literally need to do a rewatch. I should do a rewatch before oh, this no. comes. Yes, that's a fantastic idea. So I'm going to do a rewatch of all of these, even Tokyo Drift, I guess. Because Han comes back in this movie and he's supposed to be dead. So I love these movies. And I know you don't have the same love for them that I do, but me and Bill Simmons fucking love these and you need to join the train. <laughs> <laughs> I want to spend my time just making fun of these movies, but it would be it would be false. I don't like them nearly as much as you, but I do like them quite a bit. They are you know just ridiculous at this point. Like we have now reached meme status, or oh they're gonna go to space, and now it looks like <laughs> how fucking is, awesome is that? <laughs> this is actually gonna happen. Um, just, and there's only two left. So there's this one, and there's one more, and then they're done. Sure, sure. Be well, done. then Vin's done. He has said he's done. And, so. and then three years later, when he wants another <laughs> When paycheck, he doesn't make any more money, he comes back. He's going to come back, for sure. Yeah, this is this is your nerdy thing. Because this is really just Is it like, really nerdy? This is, yeah, I mean, you know, cars are more mainstream than comics, but this is, this is IP. I don't know anything about cars. This is camp. This is ridiculous. I've loved this since, like, the second movie, though. I don't know why. I have no explanation. The second movie has Eva Mendes in it. She doesn't, like, doesn't even act anymore. How long ago was that? All right. Your favorite, you guys pick one, is a Fast Five? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Fast Five is amazing. Yeah, for sure. What's your number one? Number one for me, we're going outside the MCU, but we're staying sci-fi fantasy. Frank Herbert's Dune. You're going to drag me to this, aren't you? Yes, absolutely. You're going to this. It's about sandworms. It's not about... Here, let me... All right. This is going to... Why are you laughing? It's about sandworms, There are sandworms in the story, but it's not about sandworms. I'm going to read the premise, the Wikipedia premise of the Dune novel, a.k.a. the Dune movie. Is it an actual adaptation, or is it just a whatever? It's an actual adaptation. This is going to blow your mind. Oh, my God. Okay. In the far future of humanity, Duke Leto Atreides accepts stewardship of the dangerous desert planet Arrakis, also known as Dune. So Dune is the planet. Okay. 
the only source of the most valuable substance in the universe, the spice, a drug which extends human life, provides superhuman levels of thought, and makes faster-than-light travel practical. But little knows the opportunity is an intricate trap set by his enemies. He takes his Bene Gesserit concubine Lady Jessica, young son and heir Paul, and most trusted advisors to Arrakis. Leto takes control of the spice mining operation, which is made perilous by the presence of giant sandworms. A bitter betrayal leads Paul and Jessica to the Fremen, natives of Arrakis who live in the deep desert. There's a lot of made-up words on that. This is, so again, if you have to say, like, fantasy, the whole genre of fantasy literature, like Lord of the Rings... C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, like these are both top tier, but they are the originators. They are the the drivers of the genre. Okay, the mainstream. What, stuff. what they are for fantasy is what Dune is for science fiction. What is the difference? Fantasy is more like a magical world. In Game of Thrones, you often have like alternate races of you know dwarves and elves and dragons and magic and whatnot okay sci-fi is usually more the space it's the star wars it's you know light speed and inner planet planetary travel they're different sure largely based on setting same Uh, genre but again dune is a book that i've read it's sitting in our basement right now i'm going to reread it before the movie comes out. There are like 700 pages? There, yes. It's very long. There are several Dune books. I think it starts out good. And Oh, is this like a series that's it coming worse. to a No, I don't think they're, we're going to do a series because the books kind of get even more out there and, and less good the longer they okay, go Okay, so this is the one movie, though, that we go see this and it's bad and it's definitely your fault. It will be my fault <laughs> if we go see this. Again, this is going to be based on the cast. Based on the writing, the directing. Okay, this comes out after Top Gun Maverick, so you go see that, and I'll go see this. Dune is going to be way better than we'll Top see, Gun Maverick. We'll see which is better. So, I am very excited for this. I'm curious to see how it's going to translate the film. They're, they have made a movie of this before, many years ago. I don't think it was very good. It was not like a, you know, a great, high-quality movie. There's a lot of this movie that's pretty trippy. Again, reading the description of what Spice is. You got a lot of parts of this book where it's like, is this real? Is this a dream? Is this prophecy? I'm curious to see how it's going to translate to to a movie screen. It's going to look beautiful. It's going to look like something, you know, mind-blowing on screen. But will it be intelligible? Will we be able to follow the plot? Will this capture somebody like your attention? I don't know, but I'm excited to give it a try. We shall see. So, movies are coming back, and we're very excited for them. Definitely. All right, April, we're getting ready to wrap up the show. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? Anything else you're looking forward to, either MCU or otherwise? No, I think we covered it. All right, well, I hope you guys uh, enjoy this. We will, again, it seems like, uh, these have been some of our more popular episodes. When Loki comes around, we'll watch Loki, report back on that. But uh, very excited to have the MCU back in our lives. This is going to bring us to the end of uh, this episode of Buckeye Dads Discuss. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Buckeye Dads Discuss is a podcast hosted by Andy and Josh. It's edited by April. You can find us on social media at Buckeye Dads on Twitter 
And you can email the show at BuckeyeDadsDiscuss at gmail.com.